Shafee, this is a podcaster calling you. Shafee, you there? Uh, what is the origin of the phrase son of a gun in early warships? So this is A. So one or A, let's say A. Uh, a, in early warships, space was limited and sailors would often sleep between the cannons. Prostitutes and wives would sleep with the men <laughs> and many babies were begat as a result. I like the word begat. Uh, they were known as sons of guns. A cool, clear night has settled over the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas, and has in fact embraced Matthew's Backyard and Matthew's Back Porch, where we sit, bringing you another episode of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. This being the auspicious episode number 160, where we will be bringing you such wonderful things as what I, what I think will be an extended Matthew, have you ever wondered? Lord knows he wonders. Matthew uh, was telling me that he has had a good week. This He's feeling good tonight. And uh, I was feeling good tonight, which we predicted means that this is going to be a terrible show. So I look forward to that. But you be the judge after we welcome the pride of Tarzana, California, the most influential of the folk rockers, contemporary folk rockers that I know, Matthew Rampey. Cause I'm here to remind you of the cast we made in my backyard space. It's not fair to deny me of the cross I bear that the listeners here, here, you, you, you ought to cast. Cause the cast that you made with the shape and the shade is a good to be said, y'all can open minds. And you know, stop me. Stop me. That, no, that's all I I've got. I never wanted it to end. <laughs> I thought about getting more detailed with that. I think I, I think I could have a good time with that, but nobody wants to hear me. <laughs> I just saw that note you no, made there. Nobody wants to hear me. <laughs> that's my that's my line. Nobody nobody wants to hear me like a like a siren at sea calling sailors with Jagged little pills hit. You ought to know. You are like a siren. I'm like I'm like the siren of podcasting. Calling forth the podcasters to speak into the night. <laughs> I uh, I just want to say uh, R.I.P. Dave Coulier. I didn't know Dave Coulier had passed away. Yeah, well, he's he's not dead. He's just forgotten. Oh, I'm always happy to hear that someone hasn't died, even if it's a forgotten. To the listeners who a forgotten creepy community. don't know the reference, the the jilted uh, love of jagged little pill is Alanis Morissette. Alanis and, and Dave Coulier wrote the song. Ha, ha, had a relationship. Allegedly wrote the song "Jagged Little Pill." Well, that's a, that. Or you ought to know. Sorry, jagged little pill. Uh-huh. You ought to know the song about Dave Coulier. But the whole album is like a breakup album. Yeah. You know, this goes back to an old topic. There's not that many uh, themes in pop music. There's love. There's there's new love. There's old love. And there's breakup songs. The breakup album Sea Change by Beck. Amazing breakup album. That's a breakup album? Mm-hmm. Is that the like slow melodical mm-hmm. one? I love that album. It's a really good. Uh-huh. He's pre- arguably his best record. I think that the breakup song is... Is one of my most favorite. Tay Tay's breakup record is arguably her best, I think. Is that with ba- like Bad Blood? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you call me out of my Taylor Swift Sorry. knowledge, man. Sorry. <laughs> I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I'm and, I, sure. I, and I love that album, yes. 
I love that album. And then I love the next album, which is like really like electronica, like let's party album. It's the next album was basically just like a really awesome EDM record with with Taylor Swift lyrics just, on top of it. Just nonstop slaps and smacks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I like it. You, you you know what I'm saying. I like a song that slaps, and I like a song that smacks. If it slaps and smacks, then it's probably by Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a breakup album that I think was not very good. Hayes Carl. I was like, I don't know. Or that. sorry, not. It's not that it wasn't very good. It was. I think it was just fine. The songs were written well. They were performed well. It's just he's already so subdued. Oh. Like. Oh, he they, didn't, like he didn't no. need, he didn't need to take it, it down just or not. Takes <laughs> you go down there with him and you just think, Ugh. It's, I remember like him him performing those songs, and I think you know, like he was just he was pretty busted up about the whole thing, you know. Uh, well, and that what you're talking about back in his Carl, that's like that's like luxuriating in the melancholy of it, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the the Alanis Morissette was uh, more like the jilted lover i would not want to be on the business end of jagged little have you ever met have you ever made a lady really angry (laughs) (laughs) let's definitely not talk about that on this podcast okay that that's not like a segment that's i was working on or anything not for for the good people of one magical nation although i think there might be some angry ones listening to this did you find a therapist Oh no! I still, uh, okay. No. All right. Well, I'm still rec- I'm still recommending it metaphorically. Yeah, I know. I know. I need to. I need to do. I was talking. What? Have you guys? I have one magical nation. I was talking to my shrink. The- this is not therapy. <laughs> tell me. I, the, maybe it's the illusion of therapy. You wouldn't let me. Blow, I mean, you wouldn't let me blow off the subject well, matter me, of let, girls I've angered. So let me quickly. say that it's therapeutic. No, I don't want to go back to that subject. I want just. I want to talk about therapy for just a second. I've been with my therapist for six years now. I've been doing. I've been doing cognitive behavioral therapy for six years, and um, I'm feeling much better. Good. Yeah. Highly recommend. Tricky part is finding somebody you want to talk to. I that's don't the, I mind talking to part. anybody. And, you know, this is, this is stupid, I know. And, and it's very, like, it's very unhelpful for me, but, like, there's just things in my life that I know I have to get in order. Yeah. And yeah. I don't need a therapist to tell me that. And I'm like, Schaefer, you have to do those things before you can go see a therapist. You got to get, you got to get like the basic shit in order before you go to therapy. And then I, I know like the therapist supposed to. But what if that could work the you? other yeah. way around? Yeah. No, I know. I. I'm not calling you out on the podcast. No, it's it's something that, like, I know... It's something I've been talking about to lots of people. I know my, like, especially, like, my brother and sister-in-law, but all my close family, you know, they would feel better about everything if I just did it. Yeah. Um, all right, maybe. well, that's a that's an ongoing thing. We'll, we'll revisit that. <laughs> if you do get in with the therapist, let us know here on the podcast. <laughs> Commuter Rail! Commuter Rail. Yeah, I uh, can actually hear it better than I thought. I could hear it in the last episode. If I make that step, yeah, everybody's going to know about it, I'm sure. Okay, all right. I don't, you know. Listen, let's get on with the show. I'm kind of keeping secrets, but I don't bother to keep my own. One thing that I was noticing a little bit about the show is that I tend to be very open, you know, on the show. And you tend to be a little more guarded. You know, and what makes great imaginary radio is being open. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. You know, and there are those moments. Like in the last episode, you went on a rant. <laughs> you like you took us to this really dark place, and it was compelling. And you know, that's that's the sort of thing we're trying to tap into. I mean, that we're talking about short podcasts too, and and talk radio. But but when is like talk radio the most compelling? It's like when somebody is bearing their soul getting down and dirty yeah no doubt about it yeah so look for more of that in this space we finally <laughs> figured that out and I, it took us 160 episodes to figure out that people just like to see our insides <laughs> or hear about them uh, you know what i'm talking about 
Okay, we have got a very interesting show sheet tonight. And I, I are we talking in, um, it's, it's, it's cryptic. It's very cryptic. Um, you, the first topic, and let me see, I think we need a beat for this. I'll listen to this beat. Uh, 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 uh. It looks like we have a lot of witty witties. What does it mean and why do we say it? Some the old word shop, some Matthew, have you ever wondered? They're kind of, which are all kind of, you know, kind of variations on how it's all blending together. Uh, you know, the similar theme. Is that, is that what we're learning? That like the segmentation of your life in the world is really just, in the end, it's just all a part of one well, thing? I think that's kind of the cool thing about this podcast. I was thinking about this the you other day. There, wait, you think there are cool things about there this podcast? Are, believe it or not. Go on, go on. Tell me, I, tell me more I was about listening that. to some of my favorite podcasts, and I was realizing that kind of what we do here is kind of a distillation of all of them, you know? Okay. We have, you know, some talk of arts and entertainment. We arts, have some... We are definitely in arts and entertainment. Probably. Movie reviews. We have some TV reviews. Sometimes we have the book review. We have the poetry. So we have that. But the, then we also wait, have the... the desperation and the failure and the regret. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And then that, that's kind of, we have the personal stuff, which is okay. like like TBTL and Oh Yeah Dude, mm-hmm. uh, How Long Gone, um, the personal stuff, two guys, you know, talking and, you know, uh, kind of getting down to the brass tacks. Mm. We have, you know, the we have the Stuff You Should Know and Omnibus kind of stuff where we talk about some things in history that we didn't know about or some words. Like, and then there's, you know, the... Uh, 99% Invisible and The Illusionist, those those guys talk about words and histories of things. So we kind of just take all of our favorite stuff and put it together, which is, I think, the, you know, the way it should be. And I think it's a really good thing to be doing, actually. I think it's a... Well, but when you say it like that, it makes me feel like we're trying to be everything to everybody. Which is my a big problem of mine, I'm sure. <laughs> is yeah. that right? Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, that probably fits right with my personality. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we can't stop it now. No. There's no stopping this commuter rail. This uh, this train keeps <laughs> rolling. I okay. I'm going to go to this next topic, which just says perfume. Perfume. Yeah, so uh, this is just a word, or this is a yield workshop, perfume. Uh, just where the, you know the origin of the word perfume it's very old. Um, wait, wait. Hey, let me ask you something. During these quizzes that you give me, do sometimes you realize that I know some stuff? I feel like I've been able to answer some questions. You lately. do, yeah. Yeah. You wanna, um, you wanna, that was a humble break. You want to get on this? Um, okay. Does... <sighs> I have an inkling. Does perfume have something to do with... Uh, dead bodies. It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Par- parfume. I think. Yeah, you're on the right track here. I think. Yeah. I think at some point in my shitty humanistic uh, liberal arts education, I w- <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. Uh, Go on. Well, the oldest uses for scents, generally speaking, were by. Uh, by religious folk, priests and high priests, and it was to, to cover up the smells made by sacrifices. Mm, I see. Mm-hmm. And so perfume is, like you said, perfume like through the smoke. So the original uses for it, both incense and you know scented oils uh, were to cover up that that's that smell. They were the, religious, the fetid stench. Of yeah, and so perfume means it means through the smoke. Mm, okay. And it's re- actually really a reference to incense being used on the altar to cover up the nasty smells that come from sacrificing a bunch of shit mm. on your <laughs> on your altar. <laughs> mm. And that's uh, why it's really uh, funny to think apocalypto. about. That's why in a Catholic service, you don't generally associate uh, Catholics with sacrificing live individ- live beings, other than there, other than the Son of God, was the one who, right, right. the major blood I mean, sacrifice. Eat a little bit of him every Sunday. Of Catholicism, like, yeah, yeah, and 
but they use that incense. So that and so that's kind of a holdover from the old days when a priest would use a bunch of incense to cover the smell of the uh, the bull that he had just sacrificed, or maybe the you know virgins or the whatever his his two Abraham's son or whatever whatever right, it is that you're right. killing up there on that uh, on, on that altar, there altar sacrificing on it's the gonna altar. start to stink. Mm -hmm. Anyway, interesting, I thought. The sacrifice, yeah. And we should qualify. All of this stuff that I say to you up here, there could be other ideas about the origin of the word. Are, are you saying this is hearsay? Are you saying that our it's probably something is that I heard on a podcast and I might have forgotten the details. Lack of exactly. footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was at the massage parlor and I overheard <laughs> this fact toyed. <laughs> um, massage can I talk we to you? Do an episode of massage parlor. Can I talk to you about perfume for a second? Yes, of can course. We can we continue with the topic yes. of perfume? I uh, I don't like perfume. I don't like, um, you know, when I was like a teenager, I wore some Drakkar Noir. Drakkar Noir, yeah. yeah. And my there my, was a my time, dad my dad was a polo guy. Depending on how old you are, when Magic are, there was a time in the late 1980s when every young man either wore if if he didn't wear Drakkar Noir, he wished that he did. This was like 91, 90, 91, yeah. and. Um, my dad was a polo man, and my mom wore Obsession. CK, um, Calvin Klein Obsession, yeah. I, but I have this theory, aka something I might have heard at the massage parlor. No, this is actually just this is actually sort of my own line of thinking. When so, it's so separate from a sacrifice and covering up human human. Uh, decomposition that like using sense as these like come hither things it's so it's so weirdly takes us away from the our natural communication system of like pheromones and stuff you mm -hmm. know and like i just feel like people putting sense on their bodies i mean i know there's a desire to cover up your body odor but that can be done with just like sanitation and then, like adding these extra things, I don't know. I'm uh, I am married to a woman who has like she's a super smeller, and like her world is ruined by smells sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's wearing too much perfume or some a perfume she doesn't like or something like that, is horrible. But it's not even it's not relegated to that. It's it's curries and we eat all this great food here but she's like sometimes really irritated by the after smells and so like i'm super attuned to smells i think that smells are temporary and whatever well, the world is full of sneaky stuff but it will go away mm -hmm. but uh yeah I, I don't know i have a weird i have a weird aversion to all sort of fake scents now also my dad uh had a girlfriend and that's what broke up my parents marriage and um, I can't remember her name. He, he moved in with her for a time after, and she worked at the perfume counter at Dillard's. <laughs> and I was like a mall rat, and I would see her at the perfume counter at Dillard's. And that also kind of... That ruined the mall experience kind of, for you? No, it ruined the perfume counter at Dillard's yeah. for me. <laughs> so it was like the woman who broke up my parents' marriage. Wow. So you have a strong association. So yeah, perfume. I took it to I took it to really some. I kind of like your dad. I had polo <laughs> cologne, which my grandmother got me uh, when I was. Wait, I thought I, I thought you were going to say kind of like my dad. Many a relationship has been broken <laughs> up in your life because of perfume counter <laughs> girls. Per I've never dated the perfume counter girl of any super. Uh, Mega store, department stores, Dillard's, Dillard's, department store, South Plains Mall. I have spent some time at the South Plains Mall Dillard's. I 1988. Uh, I didn't get there until 
1990 or so. Fair enough. I got yeah. there as soon as I could. Yeah. Uh, I my grandmother got me a an electric razor and some polo kind of cologne aftershave sort of thing. But I never really wore it. I like the I like the smell just fine. I just you know, and it wasn't something that I did. I didn't wear Wait, an electric razor. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't end up. I ended up using uh, metal razors. Uh -huh. um, I never could get my face to adjust to that electric uh, razor. No, thing. it's not good for your face. It gives you ingrown hairs. Go on. So, but I did. I did give it a try, and at the time, I wasn't really growing a lot of hair either, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, I think what happened was I did like I I was staying. When I used to go visit them in Edinburgh, Texas, down in the deep south, I would stay in my dad's old bedroom. Oh. And it had a, it had a, uh, its own bathroom connected to it. And I found some old razors in there. And so I like, I think I tried shaving just for fun. And, you know, probably didn't do a good job of cleaning up after myself and maybe probably didn't do a good job of shaving. Uh -huh. So it became clear to everybody that I, you know, I, I was experimenting with this. And I think that's what I, I know. My dad was a little bit like, hey, mom, I'm supposed to get the kid his new razor, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, I remember him specifically, like talking with my aunts and my grandmother. We were all sitting around the table and he was like, you know, there's going to be like. He's going to be growing up and all the guys are going to be talking about when their dad bought them their first razor. And he's going to be like, my grandma got me my first razor. <laughs> and everybody kind of laughed about oh, it. Oh, that really like, burst his bubble on that. I remember my aunt Kim projected said, you could tell her that event. My, my grandmother also was really cool and drove a Porsche. Or, um, you know, and she was. She was a, but uh, you were definitely, she definitely was not afraid to step in where she felt like she needed to step in. Mm. It was very powerful German lady. Okay, yeah. But uh amazing, amazing person, Helen Hall. Loved her very much. Nana is what we called her. But uh I to Helen. I'm delighted that this uh that that's, this tangent took us there to remembering remembering Helen. But uh back to this sense, there was one time in my life that I did I bought some cologne and I wore it. And it was when Gap in our, it was like either our junior year or senior year. So 93 or so. Okay. They released these, uh, these, uh, what do you call it? Um, I don't know. You're gesticulating. And uh, both sexes are all sexes. Um, uh, gender, unisex, unisex. I guess it's unisex. That's what they used to call it. Sense. It might be gender neutral now. Yeah. General, gender neutral sense. Uh, they were really interesting. They, they, I can't remember. There were four of them, and they were kind of like earth, air, water. Okay. But there was one that was just fresh cut grass. Oh. And I remember, like, I was at Gap buying jeans or something, and I smelled that. I was like, "This is amazing!" Uh, like, I was, I love the smell of fresh cut grass. So I got it, and I and I wore that for a while. But then, you know, <laughs> styles changed, and I didn't. You know, like I said, I wasn't in the habit of wearing it, but. I thought that that was pretty cool. <coughs> I think grunge music came along and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, wearing cologne suddenly was stupid. Rightfully so. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know what? I wanted to, while we're on Yow's, I just wanted to think about the word auda. And I don't have the answer to this. Here's a, here's a Matthew ever wondered from Matthew. Hey, Shavy, what is, what's the, <laughs> what's the deal with Otta? Ought to. Yeah, but when, you know, as I was writing in Google Docs here, it, it knew that word, like that, that is obviously a completely accepted word. It's a, is that a contraction? Yeah, ought to. Okay, okay. But for some reason, if you put O U T Otta, no wait, oh wait, no, it's not just simply that. Look at it, look at it, O U G H T A. Yeah, but that's not how you spell ought, is it? 
<laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Otta. Why, why is it just you just add an A? I don't know. Shouldn't, if it's a contraction, shouldn't, octave. shouldn't there be a, shouldn't there be an apostrophe in there? I mean, it depends. There, not, would, not, there, not would, all, there would stand in for the not all second T. Okay. And, and it's an A, not a, an O. Right. Ought ought to. Okay. I mean, it's fine. I'm not mad at Wiktionary for saying that Otta is a valid English word. Because there's ought duty or correctness, but then there's also A-U-G-H-T means something else entirely. It's an entirely different word, I think. A-U-G-H-T. Ought uh, is, is also like O-O-W-E. Like, you owe somebody something, you ought to do something. Uh-huh. So those are associated. Oh, no, it says, but then I guess if you go back further in Old English, then it does have the A variant of ought. But then it, but then it meant anything at all. So it had a different meaning when it was spelled with an A. Know you ought of this fellow, young sir. Know you anything about this fellow. So that, yeah, that's the A, 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 and then. Look, I love a contraction, but it, but this seems. It's a more, confusing and it's a weird word. This seems absolutely like right. a, uh, something we Very just kind of slapped together and uh, all agreed on, I guess, like language itself. Um, hey, we're just slapping together some <laughs> language here on the podcast. <laughs> Etymology. What's the etymology? Yeah, O U G H T E in Middle English. Otta. Okay, so we've been saying that for a long time. Yeah. Right. Sorry to the past. Sorry for doubting you guys in the past. Thank you, ancestors. Oh, we, we're continuing with yows here. Sorry, thought we were done. Have you seen this word referring to a female yogi? A yogini? <laughs> I guess I guess I have. I don't I, never really thought have about you. It. I, I I think I, I thought a yogini was just a. I saw it like three times this week for the first time ever. I swear. I and I've been doing yoga, and I've never heard of anybody refer to yogas and yoginis. But I guess I, I, I thought I, the I have yogini seen it was on just the... another word for yogi. I thought they were I, both I, unisex. Apparently, the yoni. The, the the you know the feminine, I, which is fine. I just I, the, I had I never thought seen the yogi it. I was, was a unisex word, really. I did too. I did too. I guess I thought that yogi should be yogi above uh, versus yogini. Look, we're looking up stuff right here. Yogini is a term used for female practitioners. I remember, no, uh, but, the, but then it says that the word yogi is also generically used to refer to both male and female. In Rudyard Kipling's Just So stories, the uh, the cobras are named Nag and Nagini, yeah. and Nag is the male cobra and Nagini is the female cobra. Yeah, it's just the it's just the uh, suffix. Yeah, feminine oh, suffix. Yeah, in whatever language. Fine, but um, well, what, Hindi, right? What language is it? I don't know. It's Hindi. Okay. I think there's a lot of English. I know there are a lot of languages in India. Well, we're up. Oh, Shafi's checking. <laughs> I, I agree with Brian and everyone else that at first I didn't know how to use the robot, but now I really, I'm, I'm I'm using it to demark sections of the podcast, yeah. and it's working fine. Instead of just using it to interrupt people. Sanskrit is the language. Well, but isn't that... didn't Isn't modern Hindi from the Sanskrit? You could be right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I am woefully... I think I know stuff, and then I come to the podcast, and I start talking, and then I'm not sure. Ancient Indo-European language of India, in which the Hindu scriptures and classical Indian epic poems are written, which many northern Indian languages are derived. Okay. I think that 
Hindi is a northern Indian language. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I'm woefully unaware. It's very complicated. You know, Brian mentioned his lack of knowledge of the Bolshevik Revolution. And (laughs) I have to say that I did so much art history Uh that I, I practically have a minor in history because of art history. Like, it's art is the chronicle of everything. Yeah. You know, and so many of the different. There was actual art history classes in the art department. And then I also took these other classes in other departments. Like I took a Russian literature class. I, took I was going to say, I took everything French, that I know about Russian history came from Tolstoy. I took a French liter. I took a French cinema class. Um, I took this Roman uh, architecture, Greek and Roman architecture class. Like I took like three sections of it. And I feel like that gave me a really good foundation of like commonly accepted antiquity type history. I'm not an expert, but like, I feel like I have it in line. Amy's always saying to me stuff like, when was the Viking age? And I'll call out some dates and then we look it up and it's pretty, pretty close. Oh, know? nice. So, I was going to say, I, I would do that and I would be completely wrong. <laughs> You're making me want to go back to school and do more history. I well, I, this is kind of this is our version of school right here. This is Brian's school. Teaching teaching Brian things. Brian's my favorite professor <laughs> by far. Um, wait, we got a few more things on the show sheet. Yeah, what are we doing? What's what's this episode looking like? Uh, we're only like thirty minutes in. Oh, we got could, plenty more. Could we, we got act- plenty more tonight? You yeah. got more topics? Yeah. Okay. Let's look at it. We got some stuff from Dr. Hall got at us too. Okay. Go. Um, yes. Talk to me. Dr. Hall was saying how much he enjoyed you talking about 20 year olds and how you don't understand the thing that they say anymore. Wow. That really plays into a topic <laughs> that I wanted to bring up. Oh, good. I think. We should do this. And I'm not talking about like the other things that we say we're going to do that we never do. I think we should actually do this. We have a new segment. It's called interviews with Gen Z. Okay. Like I know a kid, he's 27. <laughs> I'm going to get him on here. Is that Gen Z? Can you look up the dates real quick? What are the dates of birth for Gen oh, Z? Oh, geez. Here we go. Here we go. I suppose we could talk to millennials, but maybe we should just say people that are at least 20 years younger than us. Defining generations. Here's Pew Research. Pew Research Center has been committed to measuring public attitudes. Generation provides an opportunity to look at Americans, both by their place in the life cycle, their young adult, middle-aged parent, or retiree, and by their membership in a cohort of I didn't ask for your life story. Who were born at the same <laughs> Give me some time. numbers. This is like the Viking Age thing. So I think that here's what I look. Maybe you're getting to it, but I think that uh, Generation X is like 74 to 85. And then millennials are like 85 to like 97. That is very close, Matthew. And then, research and then Gen says, Z is like a kid that's born in 1998 and since then, right? Or, or just close. I, I don't know from, from that, but uh, you're very close. Millennials, according to Pew Research, from 1981 to 1996. Okay. Born, obviously. Yeah. Generation X is born between 1965 and 1980. So what is Generation Z? Well, Gen Z is from 97 to now. Oh, okay. So that's the new one. All right. So let's see. That's, uh, when was 97? 25 years ago? So the millennials are Generation Y. Okay. I know a kid who's got, uh, who's 27. I think we should, we could interview him. By all means. But I increasingly find myself in places, especially the gym, where I feel like the oldest dude in the room, you know? And I'm fascinated by it. And I just, 
I'd like to explore all of the urban legends about old people from a, a Gen Z perspective. Like, what do they think about Gen X and, and older? And maybe they, maybe they mistake us for boomers, and that'd be funny. Uh, what do you think? You know any uh, Gen Z you want to interview? You got uh, any Gen? You got sure, any Gen can, Z pals you want to get on the podcast? We can find it. Twenty things twenty-year-olds don't get. This is a Forbes Forbes article. I started Doc's Talk in my 20s, made the cover of one of those cliche 20 under 20 lists, and today I employ an amazing group of 20-somethings. Call me a curb merchant, but at 34, how I came up seems so different from what this millennial generation recites. So this is a curmudgeon talking about the millennials, but he's only 34 This years is old. a curmudgeonly millennial <laughs> talking about the generation under him. 34, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just read it a... Time is not a lim limitless commodity. <laughs> I rarely find young professionals that have a heightened sense of urgency to get to the next level. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I don't, I don't... I don't know if I agree. I don't think that you should be all hung up on time. And I think everybody has more time than they think they do. People get too wrapped up in the fact that time's running out and it lets it stresses them out, causes causes them to lock up and not just just do the things that you want to do and don't worry about the time. I mean, maybe he's talking about like in a work setting. Okay, maybe so. There's a well, yeah. There's this not, there's this not is a, Forbes, so yeah. This he's is not a certain alacrity, an urgency <laughs> to get things done when somebody has a task for their employer. Yeah, this is definitely and. and Keep in mind, this guy did say he was a curmudgeon, and he is very curmudgeonly. You're talented, but talent is overrated. Congratulations, you might be the most capable, creative, knowledgeable, and multitasking generation yet. <laughs> As my father says, I'll give you a shit medal. <laughs> Unrefined raw materials are simply wasted potential. There's no price for talent, just results. This is a, I think that this person is, I think this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Okay. Like this podcast. We're more productive in the morning. During my early years, I prided myself on staying at the office till 3 a.m. on a regular basis. I thought I got so much work done in those hours after everybody else was gone. But in retrospect, I got more menial task-based items and not the more complicated strategic planning. It's best to do that early. I think it's anything that you really want to do and you really want to focus on, it's best to do right when you wake up. Yeah. Whenever that may be. Right. <laughs> and then he says, pick up the phone. <laughs> Social media is not a career. I think that history has proven him wrong on that one. Unfortunately, I don't think that, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but there is definitely social media careers out there. Pick up the phone. Stop hiding behind your computer. Business gets done and phone on the phone and in person. Yeah. So he is definitely coming from the perspective of, you know, uh, a high-powered businessman trying to get things done, right? Um, <laughs> when the internet goes down, don't stop looking so befuddled and pick up the phone. Jad, uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I definitely think that there are certain, you know... I mean, oh, my job, like bartending, that can't be done over the internet. You know, I, I, my, my business is entirely face-to-face. -face. Yeah. That's the benefit of the business, you know. That's why, yeah. you know, instead of paying much less for a six-pack of beer, you pay the upcharge for the beer uh, I have on draft, you know. And it's just, just to see somebody in person. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all going away. It's definitely not. I'm not. I mean, that, I think. Wait, that, you don't think human connection is going out of fashion? <laughs> bartending. I think bartending is one of the. Now, I think there will be, you know, AI robots who are just as much fun to talk to as I am. And I bet they'll be here sooner than we think. But I think 
everybody's going to still want to go hang out at bars in person, um, no matter how. They'll want to go smell the artificial scents that people have <laughs> overpaid for at Dillard's. <laughs> you know, you can't get that Drakkar Noir waft over the interwebs. I've said this before. The failure of dating sites is that you can't like imagine if you can upload your scent, your actual pheromones, not your Drakkar Noir or your polo. Imagine you could upload how you smell to someone. We could save a lot of heartache on you. Did, did I just come up with the greatest goddamn futuristic idea <laughs> right now on the podcast? I got to edit this out. Uh, we're going to. We're going to figure out how to upload smell and, and we need a team of, we need a team of researchers. What? You're just on your phone. This feels like a Gen Z interview right now. I feel like, I feel like I'm in, I'm here interviewing Gen Z. What are you, what are you doing over there? Uh, I'm trying to find my dad's other, my dad had a request Oh, oh, you're, uh, oh! You're working on content for the show. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I thought you were. I thought you were scrolling your socials. Jeez. Uh, sorry, folks. We didn't mean to break the fourth wall. My pops got at me about. I mean, uh, the he had a wall. he had a yield word shop request, and I can't. Oh. Can't find it. Oh, for you wordsmiths at OMH. I would suggest that if it wasn't on the show sheet, then it does not exist. Oh, this is fun. Uh, Dad sent us... Uh, it's a series of anagrams. <laughs> Did you know that the letters in Presbyterian can be rearranged to best in prayer? <laughs> wow. Uh, is that why they... Is that why they chose the name? I, I think so. It's a weird, it's a weird word, right? No, it's because of Presbyterian. John, right? <laughs> It's because why? Presper John. What does that mean? Tell me. I was thinking of what a weird word. He was a missionary. This this goes back to my Presper John, right? What is Presper? Presper John. Oh, Presper John. Presper John was a legendary Christian patriarch, a presbyter, and king. Stories in the in Europe in the 12th to the 17th centuries told of a Nestorian patriarch and king who is said to rule over a Christian nation lost him in the pagans and Muslims of the Orient. But what does presbyter mean? A presbyter is an honorific title for Christian clergy. Ah, okay. Maybe Prester John doesn't have anything to do with it, but I knew well, that Pres he. Prester I knew, I knew that presbyter. he was a famous pres. Presbyter. Presbyterian. It's it's basically like a missionary. It's like somebody who goes and says, "Hey, you guys are are fucking it all up. You're <laughs> you're sacrificing people to the wrong god, even though it smells so nice here. <laughs> but I we've got a better plan for you. Here's the Christian God, and here we go. You know what I mean?" And Prester John was important to... I'm knocking down your uh, your statues of idolatry now. I think I maybe... I remember him coming up in that book about the oldest map in the world. I mean, he was like a... I think that he might have maybe drew one of the early world maps. Well, again, this guy's legendary. Okay, so he's really just a legend. But there is something with like... He, he was somebody who explored... The Orient. And yeah. Okay. The Occident. The Orient. That's so he the world. he came he came back to the West with some stories of the. Though its immediate genesis is unclear, the legend of Prester John drew strongly from earlier accounts of the Orient and of Westerners' travels there. He's kind of like Marco Polo, I think. Yeah, that's starting to sound right. That's. That book, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's about Mapamundis, which are the first maps of the entire world. That is a great book. Super interesting. Are you ready for another anagram? Sure. Astronomer can okay. be rearranged to 
Moon Starer. Whoa. Is that, <laughs> wait, that's making it seem like that's on purpose. <laughs> this is a good one. George Bush can be rearranged okay. to the phrase, he bugs Gore. <laughs> he definitely bugged wow. him when he stole the election from him. Wow. Hot take. Hot, very out of date. Give me take. another anagram. It's blowing my mind right here. The Morse code can be arranged to here come the dots. Whoa. Oh, this is a funny one. Mind blown. Dormitory. Okay. Dirty room. Whoa. <laughs> Definitely been in some of those. I know. <laughs> I, go ahead. Wait. Slot machines. Yeah. Cash lost in me. Whoa. <laughs> See, this makes it seem like there really is a grand design. Oh, whoa. Speaking of the Bush Gore election, election results can be arranged to lies, let's recount. <laughs> mm, right. That hits a little too close to home. You know, I, there's people out there who can look at a word and, and scramble it up. I, I, I don't have that power. Uh, Amy... One of the founders of Amy's company, Tom Offerbach, they would do a golf tournament each year. And for each, for every entrant of the golf tournament, he would scramble your name and you would get a name tag that was a... I mean, it wasn't always an anagram that made any sense, um, but your name would be scrambled up. So Sweet. Uh, here's a really good one, too. 11 plus 2 can be rearranged to 12 plus 1. <laughs> huh. That's a, that's very impressive to me. And exciting. All right. What do we got le left? We on only our, got one more thing on left. It sheet. says 2 versus 3. Is that one of them where you have no idea where, why you put that on there? <laughs> Darn it. Two versus three. Oh, I was thinking about. Yes, I whew, recalled. I was okay. thinking about. We have recall. Eventually, we're going to have our friend Zach on the show to talk about his very interesting personal history. Yes. No spoilers. Right. Um, but I tried to get him on. I tried to get him to do it today. He wasn't able to do it, and I just thought, man, isn't it amazing? Like you and I can do this. You know, I call uh, you, Right. we say, you know, either yes, I can do it or no, I can't do it. And then I say, well, how about this night? Yes. Boom. It's done. Yeah. As soon as you add just one more person, it becomes fucking impossible. <laughs> or at least uh, difficult. The difference between two and three just instantly is like total breakdown. <laughs> That's how it is with marriages. And it, so it makes... Thruple is so, so yeah, difficult. Well, it got me... <laughs> I yeah I don't know how the poly, those polyamorous folks do it. I, don't know. I have a friend. Hey, who's, get at us! I have a friend who's polyamorous. If you're out there and you're poly. I'm like, talk to us about how. How like, do you possibly you have the time for more than one girlfriend? I don't know. Um, but it's really cool. Like they hang out. Um, like they'll come in like six of them, and it's, you know, every one of them is dating two other people, and you know they'll have. It looks like so much fun. They have, uh, yeah, you know, and they're, you know, they're ethical about it. They're, they're healthy. They take care of each other, you know. Right. It's pretty cool, but it just seems. I'm not looking down on that. I'm exhausting. Just it seems difficult. Exhausting and expensive. This could be uh, one of the topics in the Gen Z interviews, I think. Uh. So yeah, but then they kind of like, how is how do how do bands exist? got to get four people to meet yeah, for uh, how how do movies get made oh forget about <laughs> it forget about it uh pretty pretty fascinating to me and perhaps finally i want to tell you about a conspiracy theory i have finally <laughs> it seems like we talk about a conspiracy theory yeah. on every episode go ahead yeah yeah, add this to your list. I was thinking today, how how old is your vehicle? I'm driving a 10-year-old vehicle. 10-year-old. See, I think it's about 10 years old. I was just thinking, because my 
the Lincoln ran out of windshield wiper fluid. Okay. And I feel like it does that so fast. And the Jeep that I drove before was also less than 10 years. I feel like in high school, like our cars never ran out of fluid. I think that big <laughs> no, windshield wiper, is... no, no, big no, windshield no, no. wiper has cranked up the amount of windshield fluid that comes out to uh, make us buy more windshield wiper fluid. Okay. I think there's a lot of factors going on here. I want to, I, wanna, I just want to hit a few high points here. When you were young and it seemed like your windshield wiper fluids lasted forever, it's because time was moving slowly. <laughs> I thought because it was... to, when you're 18, when you're, when you're 17, two months is a long time. Okay. That's number one. Number two, when you're 17, you don't fucking care how clear your windshield is because your vision is so good. You can see so well. So you're not always like clean out the windshield. Okay. That's the, there's two things. Three, you, your vehicle, new vehicles. I, I think this is what's happening. It's also like what happens with old people. You got to pee more. You, you, your bladder is... I think they have a small. I think they have a smaller tank for the windshield wiper fluid. It the, in the new cars. Okay. So, so much space is devoted to yours is a hybrid vehicle. Mm. So much space is devoted to efficiency that things like windshield wiper fluid. It's like an amenity. It's like gotten. It's like a tank this big. It used to be like a five gallon thing on the side of your Jeep. Interesting. Did you did you drive a Jeep? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely had more room. You're absolutely you right. could you could pour a gallon of windshield wiper fluid. So this is great. And one more okay. one more thing is that the the little jets that shoot it out are way more powerful today than they used to be. They used to kind of dribble it up there, yeah. which works fine. But now they like interesting. Like, All right. So you I, had four ideas about that. What you're in, because I came up with two, and none of them are the same okay, as yours. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Two, go ahead, yes. One, and my dad probably has already yelled this at at the speaker right now. Uh, he was doing it. <laughs> oh, 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 right, right, yes. <laughs> and I wasn't. He, so was, that was, he was replacing the fluids. But, you know, I oh. feel like I, you know, I, I was with my parents in the car so much that I would see them do maintenance I mean, and where, i didn't see that happen as often where are you going for oil changes now okay so here's the other thing yes oil changes will they'll top off the they'll fluids. top it off for you yeah and so so two theories about that one maybe they're not doing anymore because they're upcharging everything uh, yeah the shrinkflation or cars the, yeah this occurred to me cars don't have their oil changed as often so okay the so you're more likely to run out because new cars the the oil change comes far less frequently. I see. So maybe why we really we really <laughs> dissected that like so fast. That and was, I, I wish that wasn't at the end of the show. And that was so much more exciting than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> I was like I was like, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever put on the show sheet. But which some people might still agree with. <laughs> no, no. There's um how many pages we got now? There's 80 pages of show sheet now. I'm sure I can find something that's, that's less <laughs> scintillating than that. <laughs> when the show sheet... Uh, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking that we were talking about um, amplifying signals. And there there are some signals I want to amplify. It's It's this one. Be kind to each other. Yes. Everybody just get out there and just start being real kind to just people that you see. Strangers. That is so helpful. People driving. Think about the other person. Be kind. We love you. You love them. Pay it forward. Be kind. Jeez. We need a poem. Shoot. Uh, I was thinking about movie reviews, but I think we'll push... We'll push those off. I did. I've watched some movies lately that I would love to review, but a 
let me find a John Cotter Schaefer Hall. John Cotter got back. He is excited to come on the show. He's been, you know, he has some very unusual health problems. And, uh, and that came up again, again recently. Listen to that commuter rail. Listen to that empty train go by. Oh, I saw a dude on that train. Uh, this is called... But, you know, I see dead people. Oh, yeah. There's almost never people on the train. Yeah, yeah. This is called Neurons with Red. And it's from... We wrote it about a, a painting by our friend Katie Karen. Right. Neurons with Red. Breath can't open me. Deep enough to oxidize the red, a willow underwater, waiting for civil dawn, hoping maybe geometry can help put things back in order, a math for the branches I'll become when the leaves round out my bony winter self. The trees cluster only at a distance, up close, each stands as stark as myself in this mirror image. This wind-swayed body, this egotistical ghost of stiffening capillaries, this creature of reach. That's a John Cotter poem? John Cotter Schaefer Hall, it, it, co-written? It, I feel like that complimented the show as good as any poem ever had. <laughs> with the bones and the egos. <laughs> cool. All right, we love you, and the poor, the choices. The sweet to the wine.